If you hear cars in the background, that's because I'm outside of the, the Mazda dealership where they, I came in to get my, my oil change. And uh, of course, one of my worst nightmares is the guy's like, uh, so listen, they found a rodent nest in your engine. Uh, you want us to like take care of that and clean it out and put in a mouse guard? I'm like, oh God. So I went in there, I checked it out. It was like a bunch of pink insulation, which they're taking from my house and and dragging it into the engine. They're also going into the car from the engine, brand new car, a year and a half old, and chewing up the filter. That's how we know they get in the car. Um, all the puffs, right? All the pirate's booty and food that we try to keep clean in there to not attract them from the kids. Um, I don't know. I'm like, yes, put the 150 bucks to, to solder in a, a, a plate, a guard, so they can't get in the car and get rid of the nest. It looks like they didn't eat any, chew any wires to ruin the whole car, which happens here in Vermont where I live. You know, they just will, uh, it's a write-off. It's like an insurance write-off if they, they eat so many wires. So I was living in New York my whole life. Uh, we moved to Vermont, my wife and, and my one daughter, three years ago, full-time. Um, that's a whole nother story. The short version is, you know, I thought I'd live and die on one block on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. But in the, the summer of 2020, all hell broke loose with COVID and the social state of the world with the, with the social unrest and, and New York, which had been changing for years anyway. And listen, I get a lot of change is good. Some change isn't so good. Trying not to be that curmudgeon who's like, ah, the good old days. But listen, I, you know, I grew up in New York in the 60s and 70s when New York was fantastic. Um, and, you know, everybody wasn't crazy. I mean, you had, I mean, obviously you had the crazy people. The crazy people were crazy, but the normal people weren't crazy. You know, now the normal people got crazy. So once the normal people got crazy, then I was like, I'm out. I'm out. Let me move to Vermont, you know. Uh more room for the kids we wanted to have another child we we're lucky enough and blessed enough to have that other baby so the two-year-old and the four-year-old they have room to run and room to play and you know we're not squeezed into a a one-bedroom apartment 700 square feet and but what i decided was i was in yoga the other day which of course a whole nother podcast on how I haven't lost the baby weight on either baby of 30 pounds that I gained. My wife has gained it and lost it and gained it and lost it and run marathons like, you know, one month postpartum and two months pregnant. Like she looked, you know, she's, listen, I don't care. I love how she looks, no matter how she looks, she likes to look a certain way and be a level of fitness other than wanting her to just be healthy. Uh, that's all I care about. But I just can't lose the 30 pounds of, of weight. So, and part of it is in Vermont, it was harder. In New York, it was easier to get to a bunch of yoga classes in a shorter time frame because we all know we hardly have any time. I'm doing this podcast, you know, in the 45 minutes I have at the Mazda dealership while they do the car and the kids are at the dentist. So yoga has gone by the wayside, which is a big problem because that's a big, not only physical, mental, spiritual part of my life. Running, working out, everything is, uh, it's gotten harder. You think in Vermont, oh, you know, you hike and ski and all that, but but it, you have to drive everywhere, right? So you got to drive to the place where you ski. You got to drive in New York City. I was I was I was just running around to shopping and to yoga and up steps, down steps, subway. It was five six miles. I was in great shape just running around, and then on top of that, I was working out five days a week. So anyway, it's hard, but I was in yoga. And this, I see this great quote on the wall, written on the wall. It says, 
Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. And do that. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. I love that. I just, I think that's the most beautiful idea if I can just remember that every second of my life. So I, I went home and I Googled it to see who said it. And I forget, I, I'll look it up. It's some very wise person. I forget when. And then I saw like a, a, a thing came up on the Google of somebody like hating on it. Saying like, why I hate that saying. And I, I didn't even want to click on it, but I clicked on it just to see who could say it. Was that a joke? Like, did they not really hate it? Because it's like the, one of the greatest sayings you could ever, one of the greatest ideas. And I know it was very weird. That I don't even want to get into it. But the person really had some reason for, for hating it. It was like obtuse. It was like, listen, would you want like a surgeon to live by this? So they're in there and you need to get your like your spleen taken out. But that doesn't make them come alive. So what makes them come alive is to take your esophagus out. So they decide to do that or something crazy. Like I was like, OK, I understand the logic. Like sometimes you got to do stuff you don't want to do, even if it doesn't make you come alive. Like I get it. But again, just someone to take the energy to like, that's what I was talking about. That's a per, I don't, I don't know who that, any the, the people that are haters, they just, they spend a lot of time on it and they like to do it. The people that are lovers, I don't know. They, they, they got to go to get their, their mouse infestation out of their car. They got to take the kids to the dentist. They got to like, I don't, I don't know. They don't have time to, to write in the hate mail. It helped me. I thought, you know, if, if someone's going to write in and hate on that, you really can't take it seriously. Like, you really have to know it's not about you. But it's harder for me to somehow know that when someone's being mean to me. To go, you know what? That's about them. That's whatever is going on in their life. Now, historically, that's why they're being mean to me. It has nothing to do with me. I know it, and it's true, always. Like, 100%. But it's hard for me to really feel it in the moment. Anyway, so in thinking, do I want to put this out there? Do I want to do this podcast? Because I, I'm not going to be vanilla, right? I'm, I'm just, it's not my nature. So I'm going to talk about stuff that I feel, again, that I think a lot of people feel and identify with, but that, I don't know, could other people could flip out about. And do I want to do that when my kids and my wife are part of it? Like the internet, right, as we all know, like 95%, I think, of people that are great people and, and, and really like what they hear or see creativity-wise, they do not write in and let you know. They just enjoy you from afar, right? And 5% of them will write in somehow and say, hey, I really dig you. But the trouble is, out of the 100% of haters, like 95% of them are the kind of people that write in. So it's very unbalanced, right? Like even though, so there'll be, I'll get, I might get one letter, you know, it used to be letters, email, comment, posting of, hey, I really dig this, but then you'll have a bunch, I'll have a, a lopsided bunch of ones that are really mean. And I'm not the kind of person that likes that. There are a lot of people out there that rolls up their back, they don't care. Or they like it. They're like, hey, I'm, I'm generating viewership, even if it's negative. I'm not like that. I've never been like that. It hurts me. Like, I don't like it. bums me out. Really, like, I hate it. But I can't not look at it. So, you know, 
I wonder, do I want to open myself up to that? Do I want to open my kids up to that? And as I said, I decided for now, I'm going to be like Sal's Pizza. Sal's Pizza is the best pizza in New York. Uh, it's on the Upper West Side of Manhattan for years. They've been there for 60 years, I think, 70 years. For the first 60 years, they did not deliver, right? Who's ever heard of that in New York? You'd, pizza, you get it delivered. They wouldn't deliver. They're like, no, nah, if you want to come, you got to get outside, walk down here and come get it and carry it home. I always loved that about them. I just thought it was so cool that they just didn't care how much money they were giving up, extra money. I mean, they're always packed because it's the best pizza. But so they started delivering, a, I don't know, a few years ago. Anything that I think is a I usually double the amount of time that I think anything is. If I say, oh, that was five years ago, it was like 10 years ago. Anyway, so probably like 10 years ago, they started delivering or maybe five. So I'm like that. I'm not on any social media because I got off it all. I got off it all. So I'm like, probably no one's going to, you know, so four people are listening to the podcast now. I don't know. I have some fantasy that it'll somehow grow without me ever having to get on social media. That may or may not be true. We'll see. But for now, I'm like Sal's Pizza of old. Mm-hmm. I'm not delivering. Gotta. <laughs> oh, whatever. So that's a little bit about me for now. But what I decided 